0: Welcome everybody to Wednesday Wargames episode number
1: 43, my name is Garrett Kidney and I'm all by my lonesome. I am on my own, you will once again for like the fourth time in Wednesday Wargames history have to listen to just me, an unbearable experience, I know, but I'm sorry. Liam is sadly unavailable this week, so it's only my takes, my, in fairness, the good thing about being by myself is now that I don't have a co-host to push back and say other things were actually good. Only my opinion matters. <laughs> so I cannot be challenged. Which is, I don't know, a healthy way to live existence in your own little bubble never being challenged. But let's not talk about that. Every single week we review AEW Dynamite and WWE NXT. And this week is no different. AEW won last week, so we will talk about AEW first. AEW Dynamite began with the Young Bucks facing the Dark Order in a really good match. Not a great match, but a really good match. I enjoyed this match. They probably have a better match in them, especially in front of a crowd, uh, and especially if Uno and Grayson weren't in the dark order and were just being cool wrestlers instead of bad guys that are bad. But other than that, very fun match. Young Bucks won. I didn't entirely buy the finish. The finish was uh, they had him up for the fatality, Nick rolled through, and Grayson couldn't get back on time, and that was my problem. Grayson should have like eaten shit in it or something you know like fall flat in his face so he takes a bump and he's actually taken out of it I I thought he could have gotten back there he could have turned that around he could have broken up that pin so I, I didn't buy the finish it was better on paper than it was uh, I in, in execution uh, they could have tweaked it a little which I think is a is, is my motto on AEW Dynamite they could have tweaked it a little is probably my reaction to most things they do but yes Young Bucks win I'm still interested to see where the tag team division is going. It, I think it's a triple threat. We'll see. But it lo- it's looking like a triple threat with the Young Bucks FTR and Kenny and Hangman at all out. But we'll see where that actually lands in the coming weeks. MJF came to the ring. Well, as, as usual, when I have no one to bounce off, by the way, these shows will be much shorter. when I One, Liam's takes aren't here, so obviously that takes half the show away. But also, you know, no one to bounce my takes off of and challenge me. I don't want to be challenged. <laughs> Never mind. MJF came to the ring. And he cut this terrible promo. This really bad promo where he's like, All these other guys are willing to lay down for John Moxley, but not me. And then he laid down in the ring symbolically, I guess. Even though he said he's not willing to lay down. I guess he's representing the people who do lay down. I don't know. Mixed messages there, MJF. But that stuff is just the dog worst that you're talking about, oh, Brody Lee is willing to lay down for John Moxley, but not MJF. What does that even mean? Like, in the context of the actual television show, what does that even mean? That he's not willing to lay down for people. Brian Cage was willing to lay down for John Moxley, but MJF isn't. It's just one of those things that's like, ooh, it's an insider comment, ooh, the boys, it's, it's the snakes in the back. Except it's not funny, and it's a main event program going into one of your four pay-per-views. Like, what are we doing? Why are we doing work-shoot nonsense? When MJF should be, in theory, a hot challenger going into one of the four major pay-per-views. And I just... I don't buy this story. I don't buy MJF. And I don't buy him as a main eventer right now. Because he beat Cody... When was that? All the way back in... February? Was that the MJF-Cody match? God. Time. It's a wonderful thing. I hate it. It moves far too fast. But that Cody match feels like an absolute age ago and then ever since he's been feuding with jungle boy and that's been his preparation for a pay-per-view world championship main event I don't buy it. I don't buy him against Mox. He looks like a child compared to Jon Moxley. I don't buy the build to him against Mox. I don't buy the story for him against Mox. This political nonsense feels like a challenger of the month on TV. It doesn't feel like a pay-per-view main event program. MJF still feels like a mid-card comedy act instead of the hot main event heel that he's supposed to be. It's stupid. And like the work shoot nonsense and the laying down for me nonsense, that shouldn't be on your television show there. A W. That's that's Russo crap. It, Russo probably wouldn't even do that. Honestly, he probably has. But you know what I mean. That's that's the kind of nonsense that just makes wrestling... It undermines the entire premise of the wrestling show. <laughs> what? Like ah, uh, and then John Moxley saved the segment by coming out and beating the heck out of MJF and then cutting an actual good promo. The contrasts of John Moxley's believable promo to MJF's uh, theater bullshit. Was so stark because you look at John Moxley and he's speaking those words and he means them. He thinks MJF's a nerd. He's going to beat the shit out of him. He means them. When you look at MJF, MJF is performing. It's the Miz. It's the difference between the Miz and John Moxley. as Well, a guy, a guy who wants you to believe in his character, not the guy who's too busy playing the character. And the character's bad. And the promo was bad. And I don't buy him. I know I give out about MJF a lot. And MJF has potential. But he's not a main event act yet. He still hasn't worked out who he is as a wrestler. I honestly still don't think he's worked out who he is as a character. Because this character seems to change week to week. The the whole rich guy thing is there sometimes. And he uh, harasses women. And then he also talks about worked shoot nonsense. I don't get it. I, I really don't get MJF. And if he beats Mox... I think it'll be a bad decision. But I also just don't buy him in a match against Mox. So, I don't know. Mox should retain it all out. End MJF's winning streak. MJF can continue to find himself outside of the main event picture. Cody defeated Scorpio Sky to retain the TNT Championship. Scorpio Sky bashed the door down in his entrance. And then he went on to lose. So the they had the symbolism, the metaphor of him breaking the door down to take his opportunity... And then Cody just beat him. <laughs> ah, th- this is this is part of AEW's problem with roster bloat. That like Scorpio Sky has disappeared off Dynamite for the best part of like two or three months. So then when he pops back up, it's like oh, it's Scorpio Sky, good job. And then he loses again. And it's like why why would I possibly care about Scorpio Sky after this? Not only has he not been on the television show for months, but when he does come back on the television show and he's like I'm gonna kick the door down and take my opportunity, he loses. <laughs> What's achieved here, other than it's a challenger for Cody, but Cody doesn't need to be built up. I I, I don't get why you do that little mini story with Scorpio Sky, where he's demanding his opportunity and who's saying I deserve to be on Dynamite and I'm gonna kick the door down and take my opportunity against Cody for the TNT title, and then he loses. That's such a bizarre story to tell. Other than it, it, I said this is like Cody's always already Cody. Like this win doesn't do anything for Cody. All it does is make Scorpio Sky look like a nerd. For trying to take his opportunity and failing. Clearly, he deserves to be on dark. He's not good enough. That's what yeah, that's what you're told here, at least based on the result of this match a decent match i thought the finish should have been the first crossroads in your fall because that that transition from the tko into the crossroads was very slick and very smooth and scorpio sky kicked out and then he hit a later crossroads so he should have kicked out of a normal crossroads and then that counter out of the tko should have been the finish after the match cody was celebrating before Brody lee showed up on the screen and he's going to take a title shot in next saturday which, Because AEW has been preempted, which means our podcast will release closer to being on time next week as opposed to our usual four days after these shows there. But, you know, obviously we take our time with the show. We allow the shows to gestate. We think about them. We we deeply ponder these the shows for takes. We don't just you know release a show on us Wednesday night when we've just watched them when the shows are fresh in our mind. Then you know we have we haven't internalized everything that's happened on the show. Not like I watched NXT right before hitting record, but don't worry about it. We haven't... <laughs> we haven't deeply processed everything in order to come up with the best and the most nuanced takes. Uh, so next week, we'll probably be closer to being on time. Because AEW doesn't air to Saturday. Uh, that's a terrible bit. Hangman, Page and Kenny might get defeated, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy. In another of, like, Hangman and Kenny's defences through the summer have all been just, like, on the wrong side of disappointing for me. Because they've all been good, don't get me wrong. They've all been, like, three-star, three-to-quarter-star matches. So it's not like, oh, this is garbage. Why are these wrestlers bad all of a sudden? But, like, they went from having great title matches to having good title matches. So every time they have a title match, I expect it to be great. And then it ends up being good. And I'm just left a little disappointed. and left a little cold. And they've wrestled pretty much everybody in the division. They've wrestled Private Party, they've wrestled the Dark Order, they've wrestled the Young Bucks, they've wrestled uh, Lucha Source and Jungle Boy, they've wrestled the Lucha Bros. Pretty much like they have run through the entire division, so it's probably about time they drop the belts, probably to FTR, but we'll see how that works out. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm not sour on Kenny and Hangman. I'm just I'm just disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> It was a good match though. Kenny and uh, Hangman won. Then we had the worst thing on the show. Um, FTO and the Young Bucks came out with Rock and Roll Express and the Brainbusters, and then they just rambled incoherently for about ten minutes, uh, th- talking about the past. I have no idea what they were talking about because like they were talking about the past, but the Rock and Roll Express liked FTO, but they liked the Young Bucks too, and Iron likes everybody, and nobody was making much sense, and everybody was just talking for the sake of talking. And then, Tully Blanchard suddenly cuts a promo, which, uh, at least in terms of delivery, was miles better than everyone else. He actually brought some energy and passion to the segment instead of just rambling incoherently about nothing. But it was something about Sean Spears. Sean Spears was coming from behind. There was a brawl. Arn was upset. I... Uh, this was all nonsense. But the crux of it was, as the Young Bucks and everyone was brawling away, FTR jumped the Rock and Roll Express to turn heel officially. And I asked the question... Why? Why did they jump the Rock and Roll Express here? Why did we introduce FTR as kind of pseudo babyfaces, at least loose associates of the Elite, friends of the Elite, teaming with the Elite, helping the Elite, and then just turn them heel after a month? Not only do I think they're shtick, they're like, oh we want tag team wrestling to be the way it used to be, is stupid and very cringy and not a very good character for like a hot act on a television show, but this, the way they've been introduced, and then the way they've been turned, feels so messy. It's so sloppy. I'm like, why did not you just bring him in his heels? That's what everyone wants to see. They're natural heels. Why don't you just bring them in his heels? Why do you do this weird thing where, for pretty much no reason whatsoever, they jumped the Rock and Roll Express and turned heel? I'm like, I don't know. Why? Just why? Why did this happen? Why did it happen like this? Why did it happen now? And I get it, they want a heel. like it's if it's going to be a triple threat at all out between the, the two teams in this ring, Kenny and Hangman. I get that you probably want a heel team in that match, especially without a crowd, but just, I, it's so clumsy. It's just like, we want this to be our end goal, so we're just going to do it. We're not going to justify it, we don't want to make it make sense. It kind of contradicts what we've already done, where these people are kind of loose friends and pals, but don't worry about it. Honestly, if they built to a Rock and Roll Expressions FTR match, it would probably be more interesting. I forgot to mention Mike Chioda, former WWE referee, debuted earlier in the show, and he will be refereeing the Chris Jericho against Orange Cassidy match in the main event. We had our weekly two minutes of women's wrestling. The he defeated Heather Monroe. I, I was doing a bit where I was like, Kenny Omega has wrestled Borden board and two and a half times the entire women's division over the last uh, seven weeks or eight weeks of Dynamite or something like that. And I was like... I'll just tweet that as a bit because I think it's kind of funny and people will get mad because, of course, Kenny Omega should wrestle more than the women's division, but two and a half times more than the entire women's division? Hmm. By himself? But when researching that bit, five out of the last eight weeks of AEW Dynamite has featured less than three minutes of women's wrestling. That's... So bad. And I get there are... Well, actually, no. I I don't really buy the defence that it's a pandemic. Because I think the pandemic has exposed pre-existing problems in AEW's women's division. It has not created necessarily new ones. It's always... Like, this division has always been... I don't know, it's clearly not a priority from the very beginning. Like, they haven't main-evented a single episode of Dynamite. No one's like, they should main-event every single episode of Dynamite, or even half the Dynamites, or even a quarter of the episodes of AEW Dynamite, but one? I'm pretty sure this is episode forty six, forty five of AEW, something like that. Surely, of those episodes, the women could have main-evented one. you tell me Hikaru Shida against Nyla Rose couldn't, couldn't have main-evented an episode of Dynamite? Or Rio against Nyla Rose couldn't have made an event of an episode of Dynamite? And they'll be like, oh, well, they've never been built up to. That's the problem. The problem with AEW's women's division is a self-fulfilling prophecy. They have never treated the women's division seriously. It's always been an afterthought. It's always been a side attraction. And so the audience has received it as an afterthought. Because in pro wrestling, perception is reality. You create what you want your audience to see. So, you present it as an afterthought, the audience receives it as an afterthought, and they treat it as such. So then, it becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy of they look at the ratings and go, well, the women aren't doing good ratings, and you ask yourself the question, why? It's because of the self-fulfilling prophecy. They didn't treat it well, audience doesn't care, and audience doesn't tune in. That's the way it works. Every other company has been able to turn women's wrestling into a television attraction, going back to WWE, going back to TNA, and like... TNA didn't have the best talent in the world in 2008. You know, they turned the likes of The Beautiful People and ODB into, like, real, like actual TV stars, people who actually drew television ratings because they presented them seriously and gave them characters and gave them meaningful stories, instead of having Sheeta come out every week or two and have a two-minute match that nobody cares about, where she's not feuding with anybody, they're not telling any story, and then away we go, we do it again, and we pretend everything is fixed. It's, I don't know. It's like the, the the depth of talent isn't necessarily there, but they had like the solution. They came up with the tag team tournament. That's perfect to fill the TV time. It's like, yeah, we're going to give the women this tag team tournament. And then they put it on YouTube and then you're like, well, what are you doing? What do you do? And the key thing, they don't care. They, 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 they clearly don't care with the women's division. And they have it from the very beginning. It's always been the fourth division on their TV show. But it's a shame. Two, less than three minutes for five out of the last eight episodes. That's just, that's dire. You can't defend that. That's completely indefensible. And anybody defends it is carrying water for AEW. Main event, Orange Cassidy defeated Chris Jericho with a very bad roll-up that Jericho went down the wrong way for. Uh, not nearly as good as their first match. Like, a, a major step down, lots more bags of tricks, lots sloppier, a lot less drama, and it's a shame, because this is the match Orange Cassidy won, and he won the match that was a lot worse than their first match, because I really, really liked their first match, even, like, if their first match was in front of a crowd, that would have been one of the better matches of the year, and even still, I think it was one of the better matches on Dynamite this year. It was a memorable, probably, like, four-star level match, and this was nowhere near it, in terms of work, in terms of drama, in terms of the finish. It just, it wasn't anywhere near as good as that first match. And as I said, it's a real shame because this is the one Orange Cassidy won and he probably should have won the first one. I don't know what you do with Orange Cassidy after this, though. I don't know what you do with Chris Jericho after this. Personally, I think Chris Jericho is overexposed on this show. He's doing too much comedy. He's doing too much shtick. He's just on this show too much. He's wrestling too much. He doesn't feel special anymore, which is the reason I've been saying for a few weeks that he should go away for a while and maybe this is the time where he goes away for a while comes back after All Out. I don't know. Do you continue this feud to All Out? Do you do a Best Friends six-man or something with the um, Santana and Ortiz? Because they're also feeding with the Best Friends, so you could turn that into a six-man or do some weird gimmick. I don't know, honestly. I don't really know what you do with Chris Jericho at the moment. As I said, if, if it were me, I'd take him off TV for a while, freshen him up, let him feel special again. What do you do with Orange Cassidy after this is the other question? Because you've now pivoted. To him being, like, the serious character. The guy who can beat Chris Jericho. So, you you can't just go back to him being, like, thumbs-up guy that stands with the best friends. He has to actually do something meaningful on the show from now on. And what that meaningful thing is... Like, who do you have Orange Cassidy feud with next? Brody Lee? That's very strange. Lance Archer? Also very strange. Brian Cage? That doesn't really work either. I don't know. We'll see what they do. But... I think they've accelerated Orange Cassidy a little too quickly, and they can't really take him backwards from here, but we'll, we'll see how they take him forwards from here. Hopefully they have something worked out. I thought this, this episode was fine. There was some good wrestling, but there's there's there was a have live... <sighs> AEW recently, and it, it's undoubtedly not having crowds doesn't help. If these shows had crowds, they'd be much better shows, and especially the AEW crowds, which would be going bonkers for every little thing. But these shows don't have crowds, and they haven't had crowds for five months now, so that's like that's out the window. We can't keep talking about if, if they had crowds. I'm not into pretty much any of their programs going into All Out. I'm not into the main event, I'm not into the tag team program, and that's about the only two programs they've actually set up. I suppose Darby and Brian Cage as well, which is probably the most interesting program going into, into All Out. But Sammy and... Oh, I didn't even mention. Sammy and Matt Hardy. That's going into All Out as well. Sammy was in a picture-in-picture break doing the cards. Good for him. That match should be fine, but it's not like, ooh, I'm gonna buy a pay-per-view to see that match, you know? So, like, I'm, I'm just not into so many of their programs. I think their storytelling is always loose. It's always rushed. It feels like every episode of Dynamite could have done with like another draft or two just let's sit and think about what we're doing here and make it just a little bit better especially like that FTR segment is the perfect example this week it's like why are we turning them heel all of a sudden what did what did the Rock and Roll Express really do to agitate them and maybe it was meant to be in there and like the delivery was so bad that it didn't land but maybe that is the case I don't know but that's that's me and AEW like AEW uh, John Hernandez in The Voices Wrestling Slacks said it very well this week. He referred to this episode of Dynamite as an episode that everything on it was prob- was good, but a little more disappointing than you'd hope it to be. And I think that's been my reaction to Dynamite pretty much all summer, where it's, it's good, it's certainly objectively not bad. But pretty much everything on this show is always a little worse than I'd hope it would be. Like the the Kenny Mega tag match. Like even the Young Bucks against the Dark Order. Even though it was a good match. It was probably the best match on this show. Uh, Cody and Scorpio Sky. Everything's just a little bit worse than you'd hope it would be. And that really makes the show feel like it lacks urgency, it makes the show feel like it lacks some energy, it doesn't help that there's basically very little women's presence on the show, so the show also lacks some variety and it's the same people, because you don't have, your fourth division is basically non-existent so you get a lot of Cody, you get a lot of Kenny, you get a lot of Chris Jericho, who are the biggest stars on the show, there's going to be a lot of them anyway but some of the more exciting wrestlers have just been exiled to dark, there's so little Lucha Bros on the show lately, which is a travesty because they're the best wrestlers in the company I don't, I don't know and that's like the the roster bloat is a problem because like people like Ricky Starks disappear for weeks on end people like we had the Kingston debut and now he hasn't been seen since people like SEU have just disappeared off the show altogether Uh, Uno and Grayson don't wrestle for weeks and suddenly wrestle twice in weeks. I don't know. It's just the show doesn't feel like it has any coherency over the long term outside of like two or three or four major characters. That goes back to even my problem with MJF that he felt like he was a non entity on the show for so much of the summer and now he's main eventing a pay per view. And that's just the loose. It's a looseness. There's a looseness to everything they do I don't really like. And, yeah, I'm pretty down on AEW at the moment. And I don't have Liam here to push back on me and be like, no, it's actually good, so I can I can speak with impunity and have deep thoughts and introspection, as I told them we were going to have this week anyway, about why AEW has been leaving me cold a lot this summer. And this show was no different. The show just let me, left me a little cold. And I'm, as I said, I'm not interested in any of the stories. I don't even think they're telling very many stories. Uh, the directions, like, they tease those Cody and Kenny turns, like four weeks ago and that's gone absolutely nowhere like Cody cheated in the match against uh, Sonny Kiss and Kenny beat the hell out of Marco Stunt after that six man and then that just hasn't been followed up on at all so like why did that even happen I don't know I don't know why aren't these shows better that's an important question that's AEW Dynamite I'm not exactly enthused let's move on to NXT which is much better I'm sure Ah. Uh... WWE NXT, actually, no, more important, not more importantly, but a sidetrack. Vic Joseph has replaced Tom Phillips on commentary, which I'm not a fan of because I actually quite like Tom. I think he's the best announcer WWE has. And Vic, based on this show, I haven't heard a ton of Vic because I didn't watch Raw during the year when he called it and 205 Live as a fake show these days, sadly. But, yeah, I didn't love him on this show. He didn't, he just sounded like standard WWE announcer number two. Whereas I think Tom Phillips at least... I don't know. He he has some energy and has some personality to him. I like Tom. Carrion uh, Cross opened the show where he defeated Danny Burch. Keith Lee comes to the ring, makes a challenge with Cross, hands him the contract. Cross signs the contract. Scarlet kisses the contract. Keith Lee opens the contract, and apparently Scarlet can create fire with her lips because then the contract exploded a fireball into the face of Keith Lee. I'm um, like, why are we going down the mysticism route with Killer Cross? Of all the people to go down the mysticism route, like Killer Cross, I don't love him. Like like he's not my favorite wrestler in the world. But when you think about what he does well in terms of his character and his presence and his promos, it's all about like believability. You know, he's a, he's a believable killer. It's in his name. When when he wrestles, especially when he doesn't wrestle for very long especially when he wrestles in shorter matches like he did against Danny Bertier he can look very good he looks very imposing he looks very intimidating you you'd buy him as this serious maniacal killer and then they just add fireballs I'm like and Scarlett what like she looks weird and I don't know like why are you doing this with Killer Cross I don't get it. Why are you doing fireballs? How is she setting fire? It's just, it's so far from what used to make NXT satisfying, but it's also so far from, I think, what makes Cross and Scarlett effective. I don't know. I don't, like, wrestling, I don't know. (laughs) Why is wrestling just going off the deep end into, like, wackiness and shtick and irony? There's, like, terminal irony across wrestling that everything has to be a cinematic match. And I watch freaking SmackDown with the, Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt stuff that's absolutely just dreadful. And it's like, why can't one person not like the other person and they fight? One person wants the other person's championship and they fight. Like, this is not super complicated. And it's being made super complicated. It's like, alright, we want you to like this person and dislike this person, so this person throws a fireball at the other person. And I'm like, ah? So it's not even throws a fireball. It's like magic. She kissed it. <laughs> it's <just> like... <laughs> Oh, wrestling. Why do you do this to me? Why is everything bad? Uh, Poor Drake Maverick has already fallen into the role of comedy goof, complete nerd on NXT. Because he starts this match with Killian Dane, and the entire time before they go to break they're showing split screen with Keith Lee being taken in the back and taken away in an ambulance. So you're not even focusing on their match before the break. They come back from the break and they cut to split screen again of Undisputed Era arriving in the building. And then they wrestle for another minute or two before Undisputed Era come out and beat them both up. And I'm like, could you have told me that Drake Maverick and Killian are such are bigger nerds? Like, really? Could you have told me in any bigger way that these two are to be completely disregarded because you're focusing on Keith Lee and you're focusing on an undisputed era. Like, Drake Maverick hasn't even gotten his blow-off match with Phantasma, and he's already been demoted to the level of complete and utter nerd on this show, which I think everybody saw coming, because if you watched how he was booked in the Cruiserweight Classic, you would understand that they didn't really believe in him. They didn't really believe that someone his size could actually beat people, so it was always slipping a banana peel finishes and fluke roll-ups and all that fun stuff. They didn't actually believe that you could actually push... Spud, which is actually what really worked in 2015 TNA, when they actually pushed him, when he beat the likes of Austin Aries, and beat people credibly, and they should have went further with it, because I think Spud could have been TNA world champion if they actually did. They don't believe him, and that's the problem. The audience will believe whatever you tell them. That's the magic of wrestling, and this is what people always get away from. It's like, if you treat Taz, this short guy, as just a killer, he just murders people, and he carries himself with presents, and he throws people around, and he doesn't lose, people will believe that. But if you bring Taz into the WWF, and you constantly have him being beaten up, and constantly have him being an underdog, because he's short, people will treat him as an underdog. They will treat him as less than. Wrestling is fiction. Like, perception is reality in the world of professional wrestling. The audience will mostly go with the most things. Especially right now, when there isn't an audience. So if you want them to believe Drake Maverick is a tough fighter, he's a guy who can win, just Walk him like that, and he doesn't have to dominate people, he can be scrappy and he can fight from underneath, and he can throw every ounce of energy he has, but that's how he has to win. He has to win, for perseverance and endurance, and then he actually comes out on top. He can't get his ass kicked and grab a roll-up, because then no one takes him seriously. I'm sick of pro wrestling companies. I'm sick of pro wrestling in general, just being like, oh, people won't believe that. People will believe whatever you want them to if you try hard enough. That's the magic of this genre of entertainment. People will suspend their disbelief. People mostly want to believe. There was the Seth Rollins quote the other day where he's like, oh, nobody wants to go along with long-term stories in wrestling. It's like nobody wants to go along with bad long-term stories in wrestling. Your shitty eye-for-eye stuff against Rey Mysterio is crap, and nobody likes it, because it's bad. Not because they don't have the patience for it, not because they don't have, like, the memory for it, not because they don't want long-term storytelling in wrestling, they don't like it because it's stupid. So, stop pretending like there's something wrong with fans. Stop pretending like the people watching is the problem. The, the product is tremendous. It's just the fact that the people watching it don't give it a chance. Because that's nonsense. No one hate. Well, some people hate watch things. But generally, when I sit down for two hours of pro wrestling, I want to enjoy it. I'm not a masochist. But this is a rant that has been... <laughs> I don't think anyone expected anybody to talk about Drake Maverick against Killian Dane this much. But alas, there's things that the stuff this stuff really annoys me. It's like, just try, just try. I just want people to try. I want emotion in wrestling. I want passion in wrestling. I want fire in wrestling. I don't want jokes. Not literal fire, figurative fire, because we got literal fire on this show. But I don't want just everyone's a joke or everyone's tiny or everyone's everything is just. Uh, filling content hours or everybody's irony or everybody has shtick it's like ugh. and that, i'm not against comedy and wrestling i like comedy and wrestling just i don't want co- uh, wrestling to be comedy that's the, that's the difference anyway um adam Culper cut a promo on Pat McAfee. he'll be there next week who cares about any of that <laughs> santos escobar defeated tyler breeze uh perfectly fine match just still i assume building to swerve the match was pretty forgettable uh, I really wish DJZ and Escobar... Or like, <laughs> Escobar just managed DJZ, because is DJ a much better wrestler. But yeah, the match was fine. Uh, Dakota Kai got a promo, and there, later in the show there was an Io Shirai feature as well, so they're building up that match for TakeOver, which is at least a, a fresh and interesting match, even though Io Shirai had her sort of phantom babyface turn, but I'll allow it. Mia Yim defeated Indy Hartwell via submission. The uh, whole the story of the match was that Mia Yim, of course, is, is the better half of... Keith Lee, and Keith Lee's in the hospital, but me had to wrestle, so she was all distracted, and, you know, she had to rush back from the hospital for this match, and then she wrestled, and she won, and she was like, yo, I won, oh no, Keith Lee has been attacked, I forgot, so, yeah, there you go, uh, Finn Balor was talking about how the snakes in the back, in the office, they want him on the show, because he's a star, whether it's 1849, retirement home, it's like, can we stop talking about ratings on this show? On both of these shows, it's like, God's sake. Can we stop feuding over ratings and actually have meaningful things on this show? I don't mind taking shots at each other, but I don't want the stories on this show and the promos on these shows to be about frickin' ratings. Nobody cares about that. That doesn't deepen anybody's characters. That doesn't enhance any story. It's just nonsense. Bronson Reed defeated Damian Priest. Decent match. Yeah. I'm not into most of the, like, the match of the week is probably the Young Bucks against Dark Order Sorry, to not bury the lead. Yeah, most of the wrestling on these shows was fine. It's nothing special. Uh, As opposed to last week where there was a lot of really good wrestling on both of these shows, we're back to uh, a lot of meaningless wrestling on both of these shows. But, uh, Bronson Reed won, so Bronson Reed has the momentum going into the ladder match on NXT TakeOver 30. Cameron Grimes cut a promo where he's a complete nutter goof, and we've covered this on the show before, but I'm so sad that Cameron Grimes has been pigeonholed forever as this just complete dope. It's a shame because he could be so much more than that, and he never will be. Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah defeated Katie Gardner and Casey Catanzaro before the manager Robert Stone wanted to recruit Casey Catanzaro into the Robert Stone brand, because obviously she had the, the American Ninja Warrior exposure, and Robbie Yee, who was once on The Amazing Race, of course, with Brooke testmaker at the time, uh, uh, is, is a fan of all those reality competitions and he wants a stable of reality stars, naturally. So, <laughs> uh, Mercedes Martinez looked really good in this match, and she's, she's been a breath of fresh air in the NXT Women's Division. She's badly needed and there was a post-match thing where um, Rhea Ripley came out and she confronted Martinez and it was and it's the first time Rhea felt like a little bit special since before she lost the title at WrestleMania so that was good and her against uh, Martinez feels like a, a good match. I'm looking forward to that match. I seem that's a takeover match though they haven't announced it though they did involve Shotzi Blackheart and Aliyah, so if they do a tag match I'll be actually quite disappointed but uh, Martinez and, and Rhea feels like one of the more interesting programs on this show. Johnny Gargano and Candice cut one of their promos from home. I enjoy Johnny and Candace. They're one of the better parts of the show. <laughs> like, they're just goofs. But they're the right kind of goofs. And at least Johnny is pushed as a main event act. And Johnny's like, you can't have takeover with Johnny Takeover. And they did their straight-to-camera weird black-and-white thing. And, yeah, Johnny will face Ridge Holland next week. I hate that he calls Regal Mr. Regal, though. He's a heel. Stop! You're like, stop it. Stop showing respect to the authority figure when you're a heel. It's so lame. And our main event, Cameron Grimes defeated Kushida and the mystery opponent... Velveteen Dream. Oh, he, can't just, he can't just go away from the show forever, can he? Can he really, really? Can he just go away, please? Anyway, uh, Grimes won the match. Grimes qualifies for the ladder match. It was a perfectly fine, but nothing special match. Kushida's back, which is a plus. I hope they do something with him, because he's really good. But that's about it. Like, Dream will disappear in two months again and come back in two months again and disappear in two months after that because that's the way. Dream apparently works. He can never be on the show for more than two months at a time without disappearing for many different reasons. (sighs) Grimes qualifies for the latter match and that's NXT. A perfectly fine, forgettable show that only had one segment I hated as opposed to AEW that had two segments I hated. So I think it's going to be a draw (laughs) because we don't have Liam. Liam's not here because I think I'm voting NXT by the smallest of margins and AEW won the poll. So this week is officially declared a tie. We'll have Lee, when Liam's back next week, we'll have him break the tie. So that's that's the big hook. You can wait a whole week to find out who won this week. And then we'll start the show accordingly next week. Because otherwise, what, sh- what do we start the show with next week? If if it's a tie, do we have to talk about both of them at once? Liam can just do AEW and I do NXT simultaneously. And we'll just talk over each other for the entire show. Which I always try to edit out as talking over each other. Because... I'm a good podcast editor, except the times I forget to do it, but nonetheless. Uh, yeah, it's a tie. Match of the week, Young Bucks against the Dark Order, even though I didn't think any match on any of these shows was particularly notably great, though there were a couple of good ones. If you would like more AEW coverage in your podcast feed, you can check out Everything Elite. If you'd like more WWE television show coverage in your podcasting feed, you can check out Shake Them Ropes. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye.